Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. My name is Mehmet, and as you know, in each episode, I discuss different topics from emerging technologies like AI. I also discuss cybersecurity. And as you are familiar now, sometimes I have with me subject matter experts, entrepreneurs uh, who talk also about these technologies. And today I'm very pleased to have with me Ozan Bilgan, who is joining me from the U.S. Um, in the, it's early morning for him today. Uh, Ozan, he's the CEO of Base 64 AI. And Ozan, I like to keep it for you to introduce yourself a little bit, what you have been up to, and then we can take the discussion from there. Thank you, Mehmet. Great to be here. Um, my name is Ozan Milgan. I'm the CEO of Base 64 AI. We built this AI that process all types of documents. Previously, I was a software engineer, bachelor's and master's in computer sciences, and I worked at IBM, Microsoft, Netflix, PayPal, Uber, and Palantir. Throughout this career, I noticed uh, the importance of automating document processes, especially at Uber, where we had thousands of people, many of the transcribing driver documents. And back in those times, I said to myself, one day I'm going to build an AI that will automatically process all documents so we don't have to wait days to onboard new drivers. So that's the story of basic story. That's great to hear, Ozan, and great history also as well. Now, you started with multiple things, AI, of course, and automation. Now, I'm pretty much interested to know from your perspective, you gave one use case about something in the office, but, you know, overall, how do you see, you know, automation can change completely um, the office life? Actually, it can change the whole life because there are a lot of talks. Yesterday also I was having kind of like master class about it, but always I like to hear the opinion of the experts and the people who are in, in, in this um, in the field. I think automation is in our nature. Uh... We as humans, we always think about doing better and faster uh, in any area. So in farming, we have built tractors, right? So in the software, we have RPA. In factories, we have robots. Doing faster, efficiently, cheaper results in more wealth for everybody and brings the society forward. So this is why I think uh, we should always think of what we are doing every day as a repeated task and think about ways to automate that. So we found this automation in document processing, and I'm sure there are a lot of different ways to automate the office life. But we think document automation is very important because previously you always have to have a human to do that. It was not possible to automate it anyway. So this is why I feel very excited about automating document processes. That's really great. And actually, I agree with you because humans like always are lazy and they like to take shortcuts and they think automation is the best way to do this. So that's a great insight. Now, I know that Base64 you know, is known for one of the fastest growing AI and automation startups in, in New York. Can you share like some key milestones that have contributed to this rapid growth of that? Yeah, I can share my numbers from last year. We last year we grew seven x. Um, wow. We raised our first seed funding, uh, which is about like two million dollars, from top investors such as Sequoia, 
Long Journey Ventures and Data Community Fund alongside very famous angels. Using that growth, we our net dollar retention grew almost like 3x uh, in total. And net dollar retention is the amount of uh, consumption your existing co consumers are doing. So we have almost 3x land and expand. With that, we also built a beautiful automation suite around our powerful AI. This automation suite now allows you to go live in document processing in just about like five minutes. You can very simply tell this automation suite, hey, my files are in Dropbox, Google Drive, in my email inbox, on my scanner, and then process it, and I get it uh, verified, and I put the results depending on the document type. If it's an invoice, put it in QuickBooks, uh, otherwise put it in Google Sheet and or database. And building this integration does not require zero resources from the customer's end. It can be done by our no-code system in about like, you know, five, 10 minute time frame, And then you can go live this afternoon if you want to. So you can forget about document processing uh, very quickly. And we believe that this is the key to bring this technology alive. We previously had an a API and that was a very simple API. It was a sim simple API call. However, getting into the development life cycles are uh, quite long, right? With this no-code integration framework, we don't need to go into the product lifestyle. We can actually bypass it and take a shortcut uh, where the uh, help can be delivered. We can deliver it with the airlift. That's great. Like you mentioned no code and it seems like no code is, is making a revolution. Do you think, do you think like it's something that is changing the, the way actually we come out with products? Like yeah. what's the future for no code? Because myself also, I talk a lot about no code in, in the show. So what's your take on this? I think no code is a, is a process. I can, um, if you ask. Uh, an engineer today, what's the no-code? They will say, well, you don't have to write uh, software. If you were to ask no-code maybe uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they will ask, you know, uh, you don't need to use assembly. If you ask no-code before that, I will tell you like, you know, hey, you, you don't have to build circuits. So going forward, as things become more uh, stabilized in the technology, we always, again, try to find better and faster ways to automate it. So no code essentially is pre-built components. So if we have over 400 different third-party integrations, including uh, anywhere like you know SaaS software, like QuickBooks, Google Drive, uh, et cetera, but also to scanners and also to RPA companies, right? So all those things are pre-built for you. So if you want to use our technology, all you have to do is like enter your credentials, such as login with Google or put your auth to credentials, right? So that happened because we put the energy up front to build those connectors for you. And this is a one-time investment from our end, but it is an end times investment save from, from our end customers. Plus it is well tested. Uh, it works in production already. So there are, you know, there should be like, you know, almost no bugs in that integration. So building this component with just like your mouse click is of course much more easier and can be done by anybody. Anybody can click and go, log in with Google or log in with Facebook. 
uh, it doesn't require a software engineer to do that. Any, any uh, computer user can do that. So Nogu brings the technology, even a very high-end, cutting-edge AI-powered so document-understanding technology, to the hands of like, ordinary office workers who don't need to know too much about software. And I think this is very, very important to uh, evangelize this technology to, to masses. If this AI is only useful or usable by few, then the technology is not going to go too far. I think that's what Microsoft did with software and computers. It brought literally um, a Windows on every desktop, uh, and that caused this like the mass uh, explosion in technology and software engineering as well. So with this no code, I think more software will be available to everybody who don't code or who don't want to code. So based on this, do you think like? Software engineering will be something obsolete or we still, of course, we will need, you know, developers and coders. Like, what's your take on this? So I think the, the technology evolves, the engineering gets more complex. It doesn't disappear. I may say, for example, give a diff very different example. Let's say civil engineer, right? So civil engineers, uh, maybe 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago, they need to move stones or maybe thousands of geometers away, right? And now, well, there are concrete. There, are, there is uh, bricks that they can just lay out. There are now pre-built homes that they can uh, use. Well, did it kill the profession? No, it actually, like, probably there are way more software, civil engineers than uh, than was in, in the past. And its importance is not any lesser than that either. So with that, uh, basic software engineering should be automated. Like this is RPA, this is no code, right? So all those things that you think of is is an introduction to complex software engineering. However, uh, real software engineering should always like be on the frontiers of the revolution. I may give you another example. I started building website in 1998. Wow. Back then, uh, our only option was HTML and just a little bit of tiny JavaScript. Now, web technologies are really immense. There is, for example, mobile web that, you know, we did not need to even think about in 98. There yes. is now React, single sign, single page uh, setups. And then, you know, there's entire Node.js, which did not also existed. Um, now there's uh, microservices, which wasn't a very popular to topic uh, back in 98 either. So software engineering still evolved, but at the end of the day, the result might be still a web page. However, the way to do it, the complexity and the expectations, and also the value of that website increased tremendously. So if anyone thinks they're just going to keep doing the same exact job for decades, I think they're mistaken. That it just doesn't exist in this world of technology where things rapidly evolve. And especially if they work in technology, uh, that's going to evolve much, much faster. So we, the status quo will be always disrupted, which is something I agree on. Now, another thing regarding no code is I, I have a technical background, but I wanted to explore the, the no code. What I have seen is that no code is also now enabling people with few or may, maybe no technical background at all to come up with products, um, 
do you see this something positive or like I'm asking you because you, you've been on the, you know, that side or you see it, no, it's encouraging because we're going to see more ideas coming up to life and then maybe later someone with more expertise will grow this. How do you, do you see this uh, evolution, I would say? I find it very positive. So creating technology was almost exclusively um, uh, software engineers or, you know, similar fields um, uh, journey. Now with no-code technologies, now technology being so ubiquitously available to all of us, um, anyone can start chasing their dreams. So today, uh, if, if somebody who doesn't have any development experience can build end-to-end workflows showing like through Figmas and others, hmm? build their prototypes. And I think about those prototypes, iterate over the prototype, collect feedback, collect funding even. Uh, with just basically designing things with their mouse. And this is going to create new jobs for even for software engineers as well. So making technology available is, I think, part of the uh, go-to-market strategy in, in technology. So technology, like I said, is only available just to few people. Few people. It's not going to be um, adopted to masses, right? And that's not going to get the funding and attention that it needs. 100% agree with you on this. And it's like you democratize actually um, the capability of people to create their own products. Now, we talked a little bit about AI. We talked about automation. And I always, whether I have guests or when I'm you know, sharing my thoughts uh, by myself, I'm saying that there is an intersection between AI and automation. And this would gotta take us places. And for me, I think these places is really very uh, futuristic. I would say maybe now, but I started to see, you know, people usually right now we say, AI, they think about only chat GPT and I'm telling them, no, it's not only this, like AI is like much more than that. But from your perspective, I actually are doing something similar with base 64, uh, but what are the opportunities that will be open for us because of this intersection between AI and automation. So AI and automation are, I would say cousins, but not the same <laughs> thing. AI is the capability of doing things and automation is actually doing that thing. Mm -hmm. um, AI is the brain, automation is the muscle, right? arms and legs. So without the brain, the arms and legs are not, uh, you know, very helpful, but without the brain, without arms and legs, brain does not uh, produce ROI. So they should always like work together, uh, hand in hand uh, to build, to deliver value, to increase ROI, to make things cheaper, faster, and uh, much more solid than doing, uh, doing it like just by themselves. I think in the future, um, we will not do things that we do more than once a week. We will pretty much do it with automation. And automation will itself also benefit from AI. So now with generative AI, I know a few RPA companies that already tried to build their RPA solutions through generative AI. So instead of building RPA no-code systems, you will just enter in a text box saying like, I want you to create me um, for example, a UiPath project mm -hmm. that says, you know, that 
picks my files from Google Drive, passes through the base 64 AI, and then they put the results in the um, MySQL database. And then boom, all of a sudden the, the integration will show up automatically. So this is the future of uh, the a lot things gen lamp genie. <laughs> <So> <laughs> in the past, I remember the novel like the genie tell the genie whatever, and then it happens. And this is the future of AI and automation. We will have those genies around that we tell. I want you to do this. I want you to write me an essay about, you know, World War II, or I want you to process my documents in my inbox that I receive from my vendors and put it in my accounting system. Or I want you to draw me in, in my, you know, a painting of, you know, how I will look like in, in 20 years. All those things will be done by AI effortlessly and with minimum cost and uh, hopefully day by day, even better and uh, much more complete. Uh, 100% agree with you on this point. Like we, my theory is a little bit different. My theory, I mean, it's not different in the same direction, but actually, you know, the AI and automation will allow us to free ourselves from, I call them silly tasks or like dummy work and then focus on something which is higher. And I would relate this to the following questions because you mentioned something very important, like a few minutes back about like how humans can, you know, do something different, how they can learn something different from your perspective. And I want this for, I have, I know that I have some educators that listen to the show. I know that there are some people in uh, HR that listen to the show. What do you think the skills that really would matter? In an age where, as you mentioned, like AI would be and automation be able almost to do everything that now we know. So what we should be focusing on learning in the future to stay, you know, up to the level that we will be in. I think what we should be focusing on the humankind's the biggest distinguisher, um, what we are best in the, in this world, in this living beings, um, and that's problem solving. Problems will evolve, but the need for problem solving will never end. Today, my job as the CEO of Base64 AI is to be the chief problem solver. That is not something you can necessarily easily delegate to AI yet, and it's going to take probably like, you know, much longer than many of the things that we discussed today. So we should always encourage the, the younglings to find uh, problems, challenging but attainable goals, and focus on solving them. And that experiences, whether small or big, will help them in the future to tackle larger problems. And it will also give them the confidence that they can solve problems. And with that, I think that's the best education. A lot of things we learn in school, we will forget one day, but uh, the skills we obtained, the skills to solve problems, the skills to learn new things, uh, that's what remains with us and that's what we use every day. And this is, I think, my opinion, the gist of going to school is. Yeah, I, I heard someone the other day and he was a professor, I think, he's saying like, 
you should forget about the schools and universities in the way that we, our generation saw it, because maybe in the future, you know, the concept of a school and the place to learn would be completely different. And I like, you know, the way you said it, like we should train young people how to solve problems, actually how to spot problems in the first place and then how to solve them. And I think, yeah, this is as us as a human is the, one of the biggest things that we could contribute. Now, shifting gears a little bit, like Ozan, I know you, you've worked and you mentioned you work at IBM, Microsoft, Netflix, and PayPal and others, and you become a founder. So what advice you give for fellow people who are now where you were before and they want to take the leap and start something by, my, by themselves? So what you can tell them? Um, first of all, what I will say is that don't give up. Uh, it is going to be a very bumpy road. It is not like in the movies or the books, uh, or this short bios that you read. I, I was there and this, and I built that. That is just the highlight. There are many low lights. Um, we may, you know, achieve a success in here, but we actually failed along the way many, many times as well. You know, there's this famous saying, Edison has tried 10,000 times to find how to do the lamp. This is pretty accurate. It is not an exaggeration. I, I told Billy that it's 10,000 times. Um, so that requires you to have a confidence and inner feeling that you can achieve that. But empty confidence only leads you on the wrong path. So you need to build experience to back that confidence up. So you need to have relevant experience in the field that you want to work on. My entire career was in software engineering. I feel very confident to build any software product. And I demonstrated that in many, many different places, in many different areas of software engineering, whether it's a front-end, back-end, and uh, payment system or infrastructure. So that gave me the confidence that I can do that. So experience is important. The other thing is you should consider uh, the financial aspect of this problem. You will uh, be working on this for maybe a year or two before it starts generating some necessary revenue for you to uh, say like, okay, this is working. And along that way, you, you, you will need people to help you out and they will ask you uh, salary. You will pay for services, whether it's servers or accounting or lawyers. You have to pay uh, other people's as well. So all those things has um, accumulated expense for you. So you need to also think about like whether you are financially ready. Uh, and you have to think about like your your life, your emotions. Are you emotionally ready? Maybe you know you are in a stable position, and you can take on some risk. That's what I did. I started this company after Uber's IPO. And actually, not even that, after the six-month lockup period where after which we can sell our stock, that's when I started the company. If I were to start earlier, I wouldn't have the flexibility of doing taking the risks that I'm taking today. So maybe you are going through some life problem. Maybe there's a family health issue. Maybe you are going through a divorce or something, or you're a new kid. They may not be the best time to start a company. So you have to think about um, every different aspect. And then... I think you have to a little bit like, you know, just go over with it, the flow. It will never be a perfect time. Also, we should never forget about that too. So it's a very delicate balance of those things. 
and then uh, you have to listen to your gut and go for it and understand you can be successful and you cannot be successful. Certain things are in your hand. Certain things are not in your hand. When I started this company, two months after um, the pandemic started, everything got shut down. Oh. Nobody was interested in AI or automation. They were looking for basic supplies in the household. That was the, that was the only thing that people wanted to buy at that time. So life is unpredictable. I think that's part of the beauty of it. So giving that, I think um, it's a little bit of luck is always a good thing. I hope you have it on your side. Um, that's very inspiring, I would say, Ozan, and uh, great insight for fellow entrepreneurs, I say. I always tell people you should do it. I did the mistake of not listening to my gut many times, but now finally I have did it. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see like you have done it, and I think you have done it very successfully. Before we close, Ozan, like any like thoughts or anything that you wished I asked you want to, to talk about? I think I want to talk about the, the what will happen with AI. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid that they're going to lose their job. Yes. I mean, a lot of people are afraid they will be basically useless um, and they will not be able to like work. and and I understand that fear, and there's there's a um, there there's some truth to that too. So, in fact, you know it's not a new thing. So when the before the tractors arrived, I think like eighty percent of the population was farmer. Now it's less than ten percent of the population. Yep. So you, if you look at it from that perspective, well, seventy percent of people lost their job. However, if you look at the unemployment rate, it's not seventy percent. In fact, we are doing things. Uh, we are all like doing something here. So, what's the thing? What happened is, when the change comes, we adopt that change. This is our biggest, uh, one of our biggest strengths as humans. We are very adaptable to to change. If winter comes, we put on a jacket, right? Um, yes. We lose a job, we go find a new one. So we don't give up. We not giving up in our blood, and then we always find new and creative ways to solve the problems. So um, your job, for example, being a podcast show host, uh, did not exist hundred years ago when the tractors came. It was a, another thing. So we and or me being an artificial intelligence CEO was another thing hundred years ago. So as technology rolls, certain jobs will became obsolete or will be like you know less important and but new jobs will start happening in fact today we have some of those new job titles in our organization we have a person who tags the machine learning results we have a person who verifies the machine learning results so all those jobs did not exist before this ai company or companies started like 10 years ago so it's mm -hmm. a new new kind of jobs are emerging and they are not the exact same things that they they will be doing 10 years ago, but it is not also completely different either. We will learn new professions, new skills and adapt to them. So this is why I don't think there is a massive care um, about like AI. There are so many things to do. We are now about like you know, 25 people, but if you had like, you know, 250 people, there is tasks or we can like, you know, uh, we can keep them busy and occupied and excited about. So I think there is no shortage in labor. 
definitely. But the um, shortage for skilled labor actually will increase. And that is the gist of no code and automation and RPA. They exist because society could not raise enough software engineers. So and they had to like, you know, find great software engineers with those tools from people who don't necessarily code everything up. So that's why I think in the future there will be uh, no shortage of jobs because of AI, uh, but there will be some jobs, some professions that exist today will become redundant or less important. Uh, I always repeat exactly the same. You gave the foreman and the tractors. Actually, what I give is the postman, right? So the postman job doesn't exist. I th- I'm, I'm sure maybe in some place, maybe it does, but I mean, you can send an email. You don't have to send a letter or, you know, the guy who used to ride the horse, you know, and you know, you don't need to have cars today. So it's something that happens in history again and again. And uh, this is why I actually, so I asked you about the skills in the future. So, because I'm telling people, you should not be scared. Actually, you should be happy because you're going to learn something more meaningful. You're going to do a job that really it will affect maybe people's lives. You know, it's, you're not just, you know, counting something and then writing there. The robot can do this. Or you're not like, for example, repetite, uh, repeating yourself, uh, sending emails to people like because a robot can do this or whatever. Let's say a bot. So you would do something that people will feel it. Like, yeah, you have your uh, your sentiment, your feelings, your, uh, you know, like your soul put into the job so it will be more meaningful. Uh, and this is why I agree with you, Ozan, about this point. Some people, they don't like it when I mention it. You know, they say you're too much optimistic. I say, yeah, I'm optimistic by nature, and I think the technology is here to just take us to different places. Um, and because just for matter of fun, because you mentioned about podcasting was not there uh, hundred years back. Yeah, like I would not be pissed off if uh, an AI, you know, can do the podcast for me because I have to go and find something else, right? <laughs> so. Uh, I prepare myself. I've always, you know, in all my career, prepared myself that, yeah, one day technology might replace the thing that I do today. So I should be ready for the next. Um, that was a very, um, I would say, nice conversation with you, Ozan. I really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you for the time. As a CEO, I know how much busy you are. So thank you for giving us the time today. Um, and for Everyone who's watching or if you are listening over, you know, your favorite podcasting platform, thank you very much for being loyal to us. And as usual, if you are a new listener or a new, uh, someone new to the show, don't forget to subscribe. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you are listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcasting platform, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your colleagues who are trying to get as much as meaningful and useful information to you regarding technology, business, entrepreneurship. And until we meet in the next episode, thank you very much and stay tuned for another episode.